Well, that's the name of the series that we're in right now, Challenge Accepted. We're in Matthew 15, so turn there in your Bible. But wait a minute, you know, before you do, our youth have their own worship service regularly, but on the first Sunday of the month, they join us here in big church. So if you're one of our teenagers, would you stand up so we could just cheer you on and clap for you, would you? Come on, don't be shy. Stand up and let us say hi. Thank you. All right. So there's a few others that didn't want to stand up. That's okay. But, uh, you know... We appreciate you being here and teaming up with us. And if you can't be cool, be kind. So we'll, we'll just keep encouraging them and growing in their faith. It's tough to be a Christian and a teenager these days, I think. And they need all the prayers and encouragement from us we can get. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They will bring you one from the back. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 15. And if you need it, you can keep the Bible. We want you reading it and looking in it and studying it. So we're in the story of Jesus in Matthew 15. Jesus has been uh, teaching God's word. He's been doing miracles, lots of miracles. In fact, last week, Jesus was tired. He took a break, and um, he went to the area outside of Israel called uh, the cities of Tyre and Sidon, up on the the coast of the Mediterranean. And uh, those cities are Gentile cities. They're famous for their wickedness. And there was a Canaanite woman there that begged Jesus, please, my daughter is demon-possessed. Wouldn't you please heal her? And Jesus tested her. Uh, but ended up commending her for her great faith and healed her daughter. And then the story, we pick it up in Matthew 15, starting verse 29. It says, Jesus went on from there, and he walked beside the Sea of Galilee. And he went up on the mountain, and he sat down there, and great crowds came to him, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And they put them at Jesus' feet, and he healed them, so that the crowd wondered And when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, the blind seeing, they glorified the God of Israel. Now Jesus is continuing his pattern. He's in a Gentile area, and uh, so that's why they refer to it as the God of Israel rather than just they glorified God. Um, This was, God was foreign to them, and Jesus is introducing them to God in heaven. And he continues his same pattern of healing and talking about God. And the difference, of course, is the audience. Mostly he had a Jewish audience, but here he has chosen to be among Gentile people. He's worked his way back from the, uh, the coast of the Mediterranean, back over to the Sea of Galilee, and he's in the area of the Gentiles. And so what we see about Jesus, he's really our focus, is that he brings healing into people's lives. He brings healing into our lives, that he's the God of Israel. He's also the God of the Gentiles, that Jesus is what this world needs if it's going to be genuinely healed. So today we're talking about double down on Jesus. And then there's this story in Matthew 15. It starts verse 32. It says, then Jesus called his disciples to him and he said, I have compassion on the crowd because they've been with me now for three days and they have nothing to eat. And I'm unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. And his disciples said to him, where are we to get enough bread to such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? And Jesus said to them, well, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven and a few small fish. And directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, he broke them, and he gave them to his disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they were all, they all ate, and they were satisfied. And those who took up, they took up seven baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 4,000 men, besides women and children. And after sending away the crowds, he got into the boat, and he went to the region of Magadan. Now you go, wait a minute. I have heard this story before, haven't you? 
I mean, just a month ago, we heard this story of Jesus doing this miracle, feeding thousands with a little boy's lunch. You go, what's going on here? And in fact, in your Bible, if you flip back a couple of pages, just actually back to the last chapter, you'll find the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And we covered it, and we concluded that Jesus meets our most basic needs, that Jesus not only gives bread, he is the bread of life. And that following Jesus is the only way to be completely satisfied. So you wonder, is Matthew losing it? Maybe he's older than we knew, and maybe he's not remembering everything. He's telling the story over again. A few years ago, Cindy was going to have a procedure, so we visited the physician at their office. And then the day came, we were in the hospital, and she's getting ready. She gets in the bed, and I'm sitting there next to her, his dutiful husband. And somebody walks down the hall and smiles a big smile, looks right in our room, waves with both hands, and keeps walking. I said, who was that? I didn't know if it was a hospital greeter or, you know, somebody that had to go see everybody. And we got counted as two since there were two of us in the room or uh, just what it was. But Cindy goes, I don't know. Well, anyway, they took her for a procedure. She came back. She's resting in the room. And when she was gradually coming to from uh, the anesthesia, she said, remember that person who waved at us? I said, uh-huh. She says, that was the doctor. <laughs> I said, oh, okay, that makes sense. Um, she recognized us. She, she wasn't in her scrubs when she, we met her in the office, so I didn't really recognize her, and, um, as, but it was the doctor. So later, you know, Cindy's getting out well enough we can leave the hospital. They put her in a wheelchair, and as she's getting in the wheelchair, she looks back at me, and she said, you know, that person who walked by and waved, I said, yeah. She said, that was the doctor. I said, well, thank you. And so <laughs> we, we walk out of the hospital, and just open the door for the car, and just before she gets in, she goes, do you know that person who waved at us in the hallway? I didn't laugh. I said, yes. She said, that was the doctor. I said, thank you. We get in the car. We're halfway home. We're passing the library. And she goes, you know that person who walked by on the hall? I said, did you think I forgot? And she said, why have I told you this before? I said, uh, yeah, three times. She goes, oh, well, it's the doctor. So we get home. I think it's such a funny story on their mother that I tell our kids this story. And the next week we're laughing about it. I bring it up again, of course. And, uh, you know, we're laughing at their mother's expense. But, but now she's no longer sedated. And I'm not on drugs. But as I'm starting to tell the story, one of the kids goes, the doctor is walking down the hall. I said, what? They said, Dad, the doctor is walking down the hall. I said, what? They said, you're repeating yourself. You've told us this story before. We know all about the doctor. So maybe Matthew's having one of these kind of moments. Actually, after the first service, Cindy said, you don't have to tell that story. You've told it before. <laughs> the doctor is still walking down the hall. And I'll tell you, some of you have repeated stories for me. I heard your story before, and I promise, I will just listen patiently again and enjoy it again. I won't tell you you're repeating your story very often. I will just tell you... Okay, that's a good story because I know I have repeated stories for you and you've been kind to me, so we'll be kind to each other. But some of the commentaries wonder, is Matthew just repeating the same story? But he's not. The account of the feeding of the 5,000 by the Sea of Galilee is in the book of Matthew and it's in the book of Mark and in the book of Luke and in the book of John. And this story of the feeding of the 4,000 in the Gentile area is told only in the book of Matthew and in the book of Mark. The stories I know have a lot of similarities. 
In fact, one of the, uh, the books that we read to go on the Israel trip last time was uh, called The Holy Land for Christian Travelers, and the author is John A. Beck, and he talked quite a bit about this. He noted eight similarities and three differences and their significance between the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. And so I want us to get to look at these. We're looking at the feeding of the 4,000 primarily today, but also just one page back is this feeding of the 5,000. I think I found 10 similarities. We know that Jesus did a lot of things that are not recorded in the Bible. John told us that. It's at the end of chapter 20 in John. He says, Jesus did a lot of other things that are not recorded in this book, but these are recorded so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. So we know there's things, events in Jesus' life, miracles he did, things he talked about that are not recorded in the Bible. What was recorded was inspired by God's Holy Spirit for us. And this story seemed very, very important. And all the details aren't necessarily in the Bible, so the number that do show up in the Bible, I think, is significant. That he would take, John Matthew would take this much space to tell that story that is so similar to a different one. He's trying to tell us something by telling the story a second time. But let's look at some of the similarities first, which kind of set the stage. Both of the feeding miracles occur in a desolate place. Now remember, you kind of have three areas all determined really by their grain supply. You had the wilderness where there's no grain. You had the urban settings where there's a grain surplus. All the farmers would bring their grain in to market. And then you had this desolate place or Aramea, which there would be subsistence farming. There wasn't gobs, but there was enough to just get by. And it's not, Jesus is not in one of the villages. He's not in one of the cities. He's not where there's plenty. He's out in one of the desolate places. The second thing you see is Jesus gathered a crowd. On the first story, he's actually in a boat and they recognize him and the people start running along the shore and maybe that attracted attention. And by the time he gets to the side of the Sea of Galilee, there's a crowd of people there waiting and he starts doing miracles and talking with them. Um, in this other one, I think as he walked through towns, he just kind of because he was a celebrity, people started walking with him and he's having conversations and, and, and talking. And pretty soon it says he sits down on a hillside. And uh, so both times he's gathered a crowd. They've left home in a hurry following Jesus. So their preparations are scanty. And uh, we don't know if they brought any food with them or if it was a long enough period of time that they ran out. The third thing we see is there's not enough food available for everybody when you get to the crisis moment. And in this story, Jesus says in verse 32, I have compassion on the crowd. They've been with me now three days, and they have nothing to eat, and I'm unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. Now, there's no fast food restaurants. They, nobody's heard of Kentucky Fried Chicken or Chipotle or your favorite. But, you know, if you went on a day trip up into the mountains as a family and you were having such fun, you said, hey, let's camp out. And you stayed overnight. And then you stayed overnight again. Well, you'd be running out of your food, at least your favorite foods. And it's not that you'd be starving, but these people in this story, they've overstayed their supplies because Jesus has been telling stories and doing miracles and they've been fascinated. It's captivating. Well, the other thing we see is Jesus' miracle happened with kind of their standard lunch, little bread rolls and some of uh, the little fish that come out of the Sea of Galilee. They're about like sardines, and they've probably been smoked or dried. So you have very little food, and you have thousands that need to be fed. Well, in both stories, Jesus had everybody sit down, take a seat on the ground. The, you know, that's kind of the sitting posture for eating, 
in Jesus' culture or for learning. And there's a little bit of a difference here because in the first story, he told the disciples, please get everybody seated. And the disciples went out and got people seated in groups of 50. And then in this one, it says Jesus just directed the crowd to sit down. So you wonder, I, I ended up wondering, I wonder if the disciples are having some kind of tood. No, I'm serious. When you look at this story, the disciples were not nearly as responsive. We'll get to some of that later. But I'm wondering if they're, they're, they're having a little attitude or if they were just tired or if Matthew just didn't give them credit for all their work. Man, we'll cut them a little slack. And we're looking at the similarities and everybody sat down. The next one is that Jesus gives thanks. He takes this small amount of food. He gives a great big prayer. He passes it out. He, he blesses the food. He breaks it. He passes it out. And everybody gets fed. Now, later when the disciples had their last supper or their first communion, whichever it is, that Jesus did the same thing. He took the bread off the table. He blessed it. He broke it. And he passed it out. And I think this helped get started the tradition of praying before meals which I think is a great tradition. And it, it basically says, somewhere in my day, I stop, I take a moment, I thank God for his blessings. Food is one of his blessings. And we take time to thank him for that. And Jesus is teaching us that. Instead of complaining about we do, what we do not have, thank God for what you do and what we do have. And the lesson here really begins, begin with what you have and give it all to Jesus and let him take care of the rest. So the next similarity is that Jesus makes the 12 disciples the ushers or the waiters or the servants. I mean, remember, Jesus is the one who said, I'm the one who comes to serve. Even though he was the king of kings and lord of lords of the universe, the creator, he came as a servant and he gave that job to the disciples. He said, I have served you. I want you serving others. And he gives this small amount of food to the disciples to distribute. The next similarity is the food is miraculously multiplied. We don't know how, but as they broke it and passed it out, it just kept feeding, 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 and pretty soon, everybody has all they want to eat. They were satisfied. Now, I don't know, is that your normal experience when you eat that you end up being satisfied or overstuffed or the food didn't sit quite right? I know I have this little test for restaurants. I'll go to a restaurant, and the test is 30 minutes after I've left the restaurant, how do you feel? How do you feel? You know, maybe they made the food too salty or too spicy or too this or too that, or maybe I just ate too much. But uh, some restaurants, you just never go back because of the experience that you have 30 minutes after you left the restaurant. But in this case, it says everybody ate until they were satisfied. They had enough. Another uh, similarity is there's more food left over after the meal than they had when they started. Thousands of people ate, and in the first miracle, it says there were 12 basketfuls left over. Thousands of people ate, and the next one, it says there were seven baskets of food left over. You know, so you wonder, why are there two so similar stories? Well, I guess one other that's similar is that Jesus treated everybody in the crowds the same. He saw their need. He met them at their point of need. He cared for them. He fed them. Why? Well, let's look at the differences because I think really the similarities help to sharpen the importance of the, of the differences. Well, first difference is the number of households. 4,000 versus 5,000. In that day, people thought of themselves as part of a family first. You're an individual later. You and I think of ourselves primarily as an individual who's part of a family. 
or maybe then an extended family. But they would think of themselves as, as a member of a family. And so there would be 5,000 men, which basically is saying 5,000 households. So it might have been four or five times that size. But in their day, when a young woman was going to get married, she would leave her extended family and she would join the extended family of her husband. They'd basically just add a room to the house so they could have uh, their own little place. So in these two miracles, one is approximately 20% larger than the other. The second difference is the disciples. In the first miracle, the disciples were the ones who took the initiative. Jesus has been teaching and doing miracles all day, but they come to Jesus and say, Jesus, it's getting late in the day. Send them away so they can go find themselves something to eat. And Jesus says to them in the first story, you give them something to eat. And they said, well, we've got this little lunch here from a little boy. It's five loaves, a little, you know, buns and two sardines. What's that? What's that going to be worth? So they volunteer that. This time around, they don't volunteer anything like that. Jesus is the one who initiated. I don't want to send people away hungry. And the disciples don't say anything about that, but then he, he said, well they, well, they basically, where are we going to find something to eat? Because last time, remember, he said, you feed them. <laughs> so this time, they don't volunteer. And Jesus says, well, what do we have to eat? What do we have to start with? And they said, well, we got these seven loaves here and a few fish. So you wonder what's going on with the disciples. I think some of it had to do with they're not on their home turf. They're not among their own kind of people. They're on the other side of the lake. On their side are the Jews that they know and love and care about. On the other side are these Gentiles who are strangers, pagans, they would think. And Jesus is saying, I want you to care about them. And Jesus demonstrated that he cared about both groups the same, but the disciples don't seem to have the same response. Here they've seen the lesson. They know Jesus can do a miracle like this because they've seen it on their own side of the lake. But now all of a sudden they're standing there kind of like Adam with his fig leaf just waiting for Jesus. Uh, well, we're not really going to volunteer that we know we've got a little bit of food here and we know you can do this kind of miracle because these people are not our people. They're strangers. Maybe I'm reading into it, but I think some of that's there. The third thing that's different is the location. John chapter 6, verse 1 says that the first miracle, which is the only one John records, happened near Bethsaida on the north side of the lake uh, Genesaret or Sea of Galilee. And it's the hometown to Simon, Peter, Andrew, and Philip. And... It happened near the Sea of Galilee. There was kind of a flat, open space. People had come running. Jesus was just getting out of the boat, and then he was able to take care of them there. This one here, the feeding of the 4,000, it says in Mark 7 that they were in the area of the Decapolis. Decapolis is, the, is basically a grouping of 10 cities. They're all like city-states. They have their own language, their own culture, their own location, their own political status with the Romans. They're all Gentiles. So these were two events that happened in a fairly short period of time, one on the north side of the lake with, Gen with Jews and one on the east side of the lake with the Gentiles. Two different locations, one down by the seashore, one on the mountains. The first one with Jewish people, the second one with Gentiles. Well, Jesus is the Savior of the Jews, and Jesus is also the Savior of the Gentiles, which is part of what he was declaring that day, I think. He was really saying, I'm the Savior of the world. 
So we need to double down on Jesus. He did this miracle twice to show us he is the savior of everyone. He's the best. He's our hero. He's our focus. The fourth thing way that there were differences is the leftovers. In one you had 5,000 fed and 12 baskets left over. Well, that was for the Jewish audience. And, of course, Jews and 12 kind of go together, right? There were 12 tribes, you know, 12 sons of, of Jacob and 12 disciples. And so that kind of fits. But in our thinking, then Jesus does the smaller miracle second. We, in our thinking, we think, well, guy, if you're working your way up to doing miracles, start with, the, start with the smaller one. You know that it works. And then move on to the bigger one that's much more impressive as your encore, right? He didn't do it that way. And so he did the, the larger one first and had the 12 baskets left over. And then he does the smaller one for 4,000 and the seven baskets left over. And seven, I know also is a biblical number. No, no scholars that I read uh, seem to find some connection to the Gentile world uh, with a seven. Uh, but uh, this happened on the east side of the Sea of Galilee in the Decapolis. The Decapolis to the Jewish person was the far country. It's not us. It's them. Remember Jesus told a story about a boy who asked his dad for his inheritance early and he got it and presumably like he was, you know, a young person and just setting out and he heads to the far country and he squandered everything he had there in wild living, it says, and then he got hungry. There was a famine and he found himself feeding pigs. You would never find pigs in a Jewish home. And so you could see how low he went. And it was also the place where Jesus went across the lake and he met a man who had so many demons inside that when he asked his name, he said, my name is Legion because there's so many. And Jesus cast them out of him. And they said, no, no, don't send us into the abyss. Let us go to those pigs. And they went in the pigs and it says 3,000 pigs raced down the hill and drowned in the, the Sea of Galilee that day. That is the far country. They're Gentile people. They are not like the Jewish people. The Jewish people worshiped God. And they had a Sabbath. And they went to Jerusalem to worship for feasts. And they had, their food was kosher. And they followed the law. These people don't worship like the Jews did. They do what they want on, on the weekends. And they worship their own gods when they wanted. And Jesus takes himself and his disciples and intentionally goes to the far country, to the far side. Everything's different over there. I think that's the significance in the two stories. That's an ethnic difference. See, a lot of the Jewish leaders in Jesus' day were convinced the Gentiles aren't part of this. They're not going to be in the kingdom of God. They thought of Gentiles as the other. It's them. It was an us and them. And by treating Jews who are hungry and Gentiles who are hungry precisely in the same way, Jesus is affirming and confirming that both groups are part of God's plan to be in heaven and to be in God's kingdom. Both are full heirs and offered his full forgiveness and blessings that he wants to bring into people's lives. That's good news for us, you know, because most of us would have been left out of a Gentile or a, or a Jewish congregation. So Jesus is more than just the God of Israel. You look at the whole thing and say, what's the point? What is Jesus offering? Well, he's saying, I, I meet your needs the Bible says, my God will supply all my needs according to his riches. We can depend on that. Now, he might sort between your needs and your greeds, but he promises to meet our physical needs. In fact, he even put it into the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread, what we need for today. 
And he came to help people in need. And that's all of us. And not just for a free lunch. I mean, we got bigger problems, bigger fish to fry, so to speak, than that. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And the wages of sin is death. So it didn't matter to Jesus if you lived in the right spot with a view of the water or if you lived on the wrong side of the tracks. Jesus loves you and you need his forgiveness and Jesus will forgive you and get you right with God if you just ask him. Because it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus provided stuff, sustenance, food when they needed it. He even later said, I am the bread of life. But basically Jesus was giving us himself. See, the disciples, the fully devoted followers of Jesus, experienced both miracles. They, they saw both of them, one for Jews, one for Gentiles. They heard Jesus say, I am the bread of life, coming down from heaven to feed the world. So double down on Jesus. He's got the power. He's got the compassion. He has what you need. He is who you need. And today we're celebrating communion, which Jesus said, remember this till I return. His body broken for us, his blood poured out. Pastor Ron is going to come lead us in that. Let's pause and pray. Dear Jesus, thank you that you are working even in these two miracles to bring all men, women, boys, and girls to yourself. To say it doesn't matter who it is. If they hear me knocking on the door of their heart and they open the door and invite me in, I will come in. I will sit down and share with him. There is no person who's so other that Jesus doesn't love them. He loves everyone. He cares about everyone. And he wants us as his followers to do the same. So I pray that as we receive your broken body today, as we receive your blood which was poured out for us, that we'll realize we are part of your family and you love every person in the world. And we have the good news to share. In Jesus' name, amen.